We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Fancy Basketball Podcast. I'm Jake Letarski, the college basketball editor here at rotowire.com. So you're not going to hear Nick or Alex or Shannon or some of those regular guys here, but uh, I'm going to take things over today for a special edition. We're talking college basketball brackets, teams we like, and strategy. And to help me out with that, uh, we have a few special guests from our t- friends here at teamrankings.com. Very useful website for stats, but ad- additional high-level analysis here. So joining me today is uh, Tom Federico and David Hess. Uh, we'll do a quick introductions here i'll start out with tom here uh can you tell me a little bit about yourself the site uh what you do there and and simply put there's a lot of bracket advice out there so uh what makes you guys a little more uh, unique different or better than the competition 
Sure. And thanks for having us on Jake. Um, yeah. Team rankings is a dinosaur. We got started in 1999 was when the site launched really just, a, as a hobby and it's kind of, uh, you know, it morphed into a, a business over time. And, you know, we, we always love bracket pools. We played in them personally and, uh, you know, we were your traditional math slash stat geeks who were always looking for a way to, uh, to use data to get an edge. And so, um, <laughs> you know, what makes us different is, um, you know, that very early on, we started applying some of the principles of um, of uh, value driven bracket picking um, to to you know the challenge of winning bracket pools. And instead of just looking at teams that are the most likely to win, we were looking at the teams that our opponents were picking and figuring out kind of how to find the the best opportunities to differentiate your picks from uh, from the rest of your pool, which can can really give you a huge edge. And over time, we we've kind of evolved that concept even more to the point where now we have a, uh, a server farm of, uh, of 18 computers at Amazon running 24 seven once selection Sunday starts. And they're actually simulating bracket pools where say you're in a pool against uh, 200 different opponents. Um, you know, these, these algorithms that we've built will, um, will use public picking trends to, to create a fictional panel of, of the 199 opponents you're playing against, um, and then continually test different brackets that you could play against them uh, until it finds the best one for your pool, that one that gives you the the best chance to win. So there's been a lot. We've invested, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars at this point, and um, you know, kind of human man, you know, re- resources and and uh, and 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 technology and software to put this together. And it's been just kind of a dream to have it come true. So um, that's sort of the story brief in terms of my role, you know, I, I'm the co-founder of the company and, uh, you know, I'd say I was involved in early on and, in, in coming up with some of the, the high level concepts of, uh, of this type of product, you know, when figuring out that, yes, it, you know, it could be a business that there are lots of people who do play these pools, just like fantasy, right. And they're, you know, there's usually something on the line and they're looking for an edge and, and a lot of people would be willing to pay, um, you know, so our bracket pick product starts at $39 people would be willing to pay that price to get a, a significant edge and to, to increase their profits over the long term. So, um, but now, you know, I, I hand it off to people like David who are the, the real, uh, supreme <laughs> math analysts. And so, um, you know, they, David's taken it over, um, in terms of actually, you know, developing the technology. And so I'll, I'll hand it off to him. Yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm David Hess. I, uh, I've been working for team rankings for about, uh, seven years now. I'm, uh, the principal backend uh, coder, and I, I do. Um, I guess I'm the, the main data analyst also. So I I wrote most of the uh, simulation code that he was talking about to simulate the opponents and simulate the tournament, and then you know combine those into into uh, an evolutionary algorithm that tries to find the best bracket for all these various pool combinations. And so, you know, that's my role here is basically I'm the numbers guy and the, the back-end coding guy. So Right on. So, um, yeah, so uh, the theme I'm seeing so far here is definitely stressing kind of the objective predict- predictions over the eye test, over all those talking heads you're going to see on TV on Selection Sunday and thereafter because the computer, the theme I see is that the computer is going to beat the man just about in any case, and I'm sure with the background here you guys will support that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's different than fantasy, I'd say, where, you know, obviously fantasy is all about players, right? And especially when you're, you know, you're looking at the NBA, it's 32 teams or, or I'm, did I even get that right? <laughs> in that that order of teams. And, uh, and you know, you've got a, a more finite group of players that you're able to watch every night. And obviously your scoring is based on what the players do. And so, um, you know, it's a, you know, one-on-one mat player versus player matchups on any given night are, are really important to you know to try to project i mean with the bracket pool first with college basketball you've got 351 division one teams they play on the order of 4,000 games a year it's just impossible to watch all those games or anywhere near all those games and feel like you know you've got a you know the bracket's not even announced until you know selection sunday and you've got a couple days to turn around your picks right so um you know some of those teams in there just no one's gonna have watched you know all the games for all the teams that are in the tournament and it's all team level data. So the individual player matchups, you know, they still matter. It's not like they're insignificant, but um, you know, it's certainly the case that they're likely a lot less important and you can take a more high level approach to kind of, well, and even the, if they're uh, important in brackets, even if they're important when you're projecting later round games, you just can't do the team level analysis for every game. You know, if, if you're looking at a potential deep run by someone, some team that they have 20 possible opponents in this later game. You can't go through and analyze all the player matchups for every single possible matchup in the tournament that you care about. So it's definitely mainly team team based here. That's for sure. But I mean, we do, it's not like we ignore player analysis. Uh, like um, Auburn's a good example. They, they have Anthony McLemore is, is out, right? He had surgery. He's not going to be in the tournament. So we don't just take the raw team rating over the course of the season. You know, we look at how they play the last few games without him and adjust their opponent uh, strength and game location and kind of get a new rating for them that's, that's based on their more recent body of work. That brings up an interesting point because here at RotoWire, I do a lot of the injury stuff focusing on individual players, though we include team bracket content as well, of course. You mentioned Macklemore from Auburn, but Kentucky is probably going to be without Jared Vanderbilt for the first weekend. With Kansas, you can say Udoka Azebuke is questionable. Miami hasn't been the same without Bruce Brown. You can say Clemson hasn't been the same without Dante Grantham. Some of the other mathematics-based sites don't necessarily take injuries into account, but that's something you guys are looking out for, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like when the bracket, uh, basically Friday, Saturday, Sunday, most of what I'm doing, aside from some technical stuff to set up, the, you know, the back end stuff on our site is uh, looking at, at team um, team game logs, basically, and checking out how they've done with and without certain players and uh, refining our ratings so that we feel like we have the best uh, possible rating for each team to plug into our, our simulations. You know, we look at we you, we look at the other ratings. We look at Ken Palm. We look at BPI, and, and we take those into account. And we see if there are outliers. We really dig in deeper to those teams and figure out if we think that they're right or we're right, or or we should use an average and dig in and see maybe they're, you know, maybe like you said, they're they're overrating uh, Kansas because Azubuike might be injured or whatever. The actually that that one's interesting because. Kansas played phenomenally without him in the Big 12 tournament. So they, they had a couple of D'Souza and uh, Mitch Lightfoot. And uh, yeah, uh, Lightfoot did okay, but uh, Malik Newman played yeah, great. He was on fire. He, he like, took on a bigger role while, while Azubuike was out. Of course, Kansas is going to be okay against Penn, but the question for me is when they have to face Angel Delgado in the second round, assuming Seton Hall wins, of course, against NC State, they are two point favorites. But without their seven footer, they might have a very tough time 
defending against Delgado, though it does look like Azubuke would be back for that game. But you get away with saying, of course, there, Jake. History. That's arguably the most most likely 16 versus one upset we've seen in a long time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's still not likely, but yeah, it's, it's not a it's not a lock. Yeah. There's no locks. So I do a Calcutta where for 15s and 16s, covering the spread counts as a win. And in last night's auction, Penn was definitely the highest-priced team out of the bunch. Well, I think well, David's saying it, it's not the best. You know, it, it's certainly a huge, huge risk to, to pick Penn in a bracket, right? <laughs> if you, unless you have some absolutely insane uh, you know, upset bonus scoring yes. system. I mean, this is part of what we do, by the way. You know, besides looking at you know, kind of public picking trends, the, the other part of what all these simulations that we run are doing are uh, you know, customizing picks to, to be the best fit for your scoring system, which is another huge dynamic. And so um, you know, that... Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you would pretty much, you know, almost never really, you know, advise anyone to actually take Penn. But you know, at the same time, um, you know, if you're a Kansas fan, you, you're certainly got to be more nervous than usual. And David's, David's, yeah. David's a Kansas fan. Yeah. There are definitely different, unique pools that offer huge, huge upset bonuses. If you somehow picked that pen game correctly, you'd be well ahead of the competition. Now, that brings me to your site, where one of the first things I noticed about your premium package is that you create a bracket and enter all of your unique pool settings here. Uh, it's kind of like here at Rotowire. We have a baseball draft software that you download, enter things like number of teams, roster settings, scoring settings, and then you get customized cheat sheets. You guys seem to have a somewhat similar process. Can you walk me through that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I can do it high level, and David can add some details. But you know, I think the analogs to to kind of fantasy tools are very, very similar, right? So we you know we walk you through a uh, a flow where uh, you know we ask about you know the key strategy dynamics that we're going to be optimizing picks for, and pool size is is, is a big one, um, and scoring size is the other big one. Um, you know, there are also things like payout structure that you can also look at, right? Where um, you know if if your pool has a very flat payout structure that pays the top 20 versus just winner take all, then you might have a different approach to that, you know, pool and your picks and how much risk you want to take. Um, you know, if your goal is to win it all, or maybe just kind of win something. So, uh, those are the dynamics, you know, they're slightly different from product to product. We also cover football pools, you know, where, where we ask about, um, those dynamics and David can provide some more details. Real quick, is there like a cutoff as in like a number of entrants where things really start to change? For example, is it somewhere in the 50 to 75 range where you really start having to go against the grain to maximize your chances of winning? I mean, it definitely depends on uh, the scoring system, for one thing, where, where those inflection points are. But, but you know, the way that, <clears throat> that we we make the picks is we, like we said, we run all these simulations. So um we essentially let the computer figure out where those inflection points are. And so I did our, our write up for our early batch of bracket brackets that we released Monday. We'll, we'll do another one Wednesday that, you know, with updated injury data and, and results of the play in games and stuff. But when we, when we released that first set of brackets, I always take a look at them obviously and, and see what our picks are, figure out why we're making them to make sure that they all make sense and stuff. And, um, yeah, it seemed like the inflection point this year for uh, making some riskier, uh, more against the grain Final Four picks was around 150, uh, around 150 people in your in your pool, just based on you know the the unique dynamics of this year. It's different every year, just because 
the public pick data changes. Sometimes the 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 best champion pick is underrated severely, and you just pick them in every size pool, and it doesn't even matter. Sometimes, you know, it's the public is doing a pretty good job of of mimicking the the true odds, and mm-hmm. and it's tough to find value. This year is a little bit more like that. It's, it's tough to find a great value champion pick there, but uh, so our, our brackets are more. Uh, focused on great value picks in some of several great value picks in the earlier rounds, like Final Four and Elite Eight picks this year, than they are on, on a undervalued champion pick for for most of our larger brackets. But yeah, the inflection point seemed to be around 150 or so is is when we started seeing some more some more risky Final Four picks in the standard scoring system, which is what about half of our our customers use. All right, so the standard scoring system you just alluded to there is one point for a first-round win, and then it continues to double, 1, 2, 4, 8, 16, and 32 for the champion. So that's the most common one that people use in the typical office pool, and definitely an interesting inflection point around 150. So if I go back here and I refer to, quote, the BPI rule, where in eight of the last 10 years, a top three BPI team has won a title. This year, that would be Virginia, Villanova, and Duke. So what you're saying here is that right at about around 150 entrants in a standard scoring system, it's time to start looking elsewhere for a champion? To be honest, our, our champion picks, even in large pools, are some of those uh, top teams and the the angles, the value angles that these simulated brackets are, or the, the brackets that emerge from these simulations are taking are uh, more Final Four, Elite Eight. Uh, one example is, um, so Purdue this year looks like the most undervalued champion pick. We have them around 6% to win, and the, the public's picking them around 3%. So they're, they're twice as likely to win as the public has. Um and so we expected Purdue to be our champion pick in some of these large brackets. But then when, when I looked at them, uh, we had uh, Villanova over Cincinnati in a lot of them. And I thought that was a little strange, but I looked into why that might be the case. And I realized that, um, so when you, when you pick a undervalued champion, you kind of, it forces you to go pretty conservative on the other side of the bracket. And you don't want to pick this undervalued champion and then also pick a crazy crazy team in the final against them and have the favorite make the final and then you lose because you got too crazy on the other side right you, it kind of you need a, uh, to limit the amount of risk that you take on over the whole bracket so if you pick Purdue to win you kind of need to pick Virginia to lose to them um, because otherwise you're taking on too much risk but it turns out based on just the, the unique dynamics of this year's uh, public pick data that a lot of people are picking Virginia specifically to lose in the final game and not with, I, I mean, they're, they're also popular as a, as a tournament champion pick, but they're even more overvalued as a pick to lose in the final game. So when you pair, when you pick Purdue as a champion, you end up having to, to pick this really overvalued team to face them in the final. And it gets, it eliminates a lot of the value on picking Purdue to win. So our simulations, actually a lot of them had, Villanova as the champion because they're actually slightly undervalued, not as much as Purdue, but they're they're still a good value pick. And then you you pair them with Cincinnati in the final, who's a very undervalued finalist, and that ended up having a better uh, risk reward profile than than going with just the the underrated champion. So that's something that I we would never come up with on our own if we we're just looking at it and trying to figure this out. And it really takes the the computer simulations to to run these thousands or millions of 
simulations against a diverse variety of opponent yeah, that's a, that's uh, a sets to, to find what actually wins in in the most simulations. Yeah, I like that. And, and then not 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 to mention just to follow that out. I mean, you then you make one tweak to the scoring system, and it's kind of like you know throw all yeah. that out the window, right? It's, right. Uh, but seed based scoring completely different. You probably are gonna go with like a. Duke, or, well, Purdue actually probably looks better in seed-based scoring. I, I don't recall off the top of my head who we had there, but but we all often end up with a two or a three champion, two two or a three seed as a champion in our best brackets for those seed-based ones. Yeah, Purdue is an interesting one. They're in your top five in things like Ken Palm, BPI, Sagarin, but they only have the eighth best betting odds, so the public might not be quite there with the math, and there's potential value there. And I definitely see what you mean with the other side of the bracket coming into play big time. Last year, I picked North Carolina to win it all, but won zero bracket pools. It's because they were my only Final Four team. So you definitely have to think about the other side and balance it out with the amount of risk that's involved in your champion pick. Yeah, we had a, a really good last good year last year because we, we had North Carolina over Gonzaga in most of our suggested brackets um, for, for standard scoring. And we got a lot of complaints in the the beginning before the tournament started. Why are you just picking the favorites in the final? That looks like the right pick this year, guys. It got me wondering, do you see any recency bias in the general public trends? I mean, I've seen Gonzaga over Xavier in a ton of pools and even in a lot of Final Four uh, title game situations. Do you think that bias comes into play at all? Um, You know, I haven't really looked at... To, to try to figure out why the the public is making specific picks. We just kind of use the numbers and don't, I gotcha. don't look into it too much. But that is true that Gonzaga is being... I, they are fairly popular this year for a small conference team that's seated up there. So it probably is because they did so well last year. I mean, if they had lost early last year, they probably would be picked half as much, I imagine. Yeah, teams like Gonzaga, Villanova, a lot of times people wouldn't take to go very far. But now that they've won something, or at least been runner-up, it's starting to look a little more common. Full disclosure, I'm taking Duke over Gonzaga this year, but we'll get to some more specific picks here in the second part of the show. Unless you live under a rock, you're probably aware of a certain basketball tournament going on this month, NCAA March Madness. And that means it's time to lay the smackdown on your competition in your annual bracket contest. If you're serious about winning your NCAA bracket pool, you need to check out TeamRankings.com. Using cutting-edge analytics, Team Rankings has helped thousands of customers take first place in their March Madness bracket contest. So this year, stop agonizing over your picks and give yourself the best chance to win. Go to TeamRankings.com slash RotoWire to learn more and for special discounts. Again, that's TeamRankings.com slash RotoWire. All right, back to Tom and David here who have been helping me run down the various strategies applied in different bracket pools using analytics from TeamRankings.com. We went through a lot of background processes in the first part of the show, so perhaps in the second half we can gear things towards more actionable applications of all of these analytics. Now, we don't want to give away the whole farm here, but looking at Cinderella's in specific, there seems to be a couple double-digit seeds that have a chance of moving on to the Sweet 16. How do your metrics identify the most popular upset picks? For example, I know Loyola Chicago is a popular one. Maybe that results in less value um, if they're not quite as highly rated as most people think. So... I'll start with Tom and go to David, but how do you identify upsets and Cinderella's based on pool settings? Yeah, I mean, so you know, the, the, the sort of definition of the value that we look for, you know, the simple metric to just kind of find undervalued teams is just to compare, you know, their odds to make a specific round with the percentage of the public that's picking them to make that round. So, you know, we have a tool, it's called the data grid. Um, it's probably one of the 
one of our, if not the most popular feature of, of our, of our NCAA bracket picks product after our customized brackets. Um, that is basically, you know, has all the data in terms of the projections for every team to make every successive round and, um, kind of mashes that up with the public picking percentage. And then, you know, we layer on a bunch of filters and choosers where you can just kind of click a button real quick and, you know, it'll highlight all the most undervalued teams, for example, in the, in, you know, to make the, the round of 32. So, you know, there it's kind of two processes, right? One is identifying kind of all, you know, the most undervalued teams and sort of in a vacuum, which, which teams would be kind of the smartest upsets to pick or the ones with the most expected value. But then there's the other side of the coin, which means like, you're not going to make all those picks, right? So kind of, how do you choose which ones to make and where do you kind of place your value bets? That's what our bracket optimization algorithms do. So, um, you know, it's a combination of, of those two things that you need to do to create the best bracket. But in terms of, you know, kind of actually sharing some, uh, some juicy tidbits on the actual numbers. I'll, uh, I'll pass it over to David. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you mentioned Loyola Chicago was, was so popular. Cause um, I'm looking at our data grid right now. I, I clicked the most likely sweet 16 Cinderella. So it's, it's highlighting all these double digit seeds shows the odds to make it to a specific round, the public pick percentage, and then the difference. And the most underrated one is Loyola Chicago. <laughs> the public actually, according to what we see on the major sites, is only picking them about 8% of the time to, to make the the um, Sweet 16, and we have them with a 16% chance to get there. So it's a, you know they're twice as likely as the public is, is picking. And there's a handful of teams there that, that are 15 to 16% chance and are, and are undervalued. And uh, looks like we have Loyola, Texas, and Butler are in that, that group there. That's probably the, you know, the ones that you want to target if you're, if you're looking to throw in one of those. Or, or maybe San Diego State is a little less likely, but they're pretty undervalued. Uh, yes, yeah. an 11 seed. That's interesting with Butler because you have to make a decision. Do you go with the numbers and take Butler or go with the against the grand champion of Purdue? The two do have to play each other. That's uh, something that, that makes it fun to enter multiple brackets where you can take one where, where Purdue's your champion or Final Four pick or whatever. And then in another one, you take Butler over Purdue. And uh, yeah, we actually have a portfolio um, advice when you when you fill out your pool and you get your brackets we show you five brackets that can be used together and they're actually optimized specifically to be played together so that you know if, if the first bracket has a, some team going deep the second one may very well have them losing early or at least not going deep and it has a different you know gambit to, to, to play in that one so they're they're complementary to each other so now that you mentioned the Purdue Butler thing I may go in and see if see if some of our our portfolios have a Purdue Final Four in one, and then Butler ups, uh, Butler upsetting them to make the Sweet 16 in another. That may very well have that. I don't know. I personally own Butler in a Calcutta, so that's the way I'm going. So looking at my bracket here, I'm in a pool of about 50 teams, and I've got two 12 seeds, New Mexico State and South Dakota State, as well as Loyola Chicago all advancing, but only Loyola Chicago is in the second round. Is that taking too much risk or going too far out of the box for a pool of my size, about 50 people? The format and payouts there are all pretty standard. I mean, it obviously depends a little bit on on your opponent set, and it's tough for us to... uh, take into account you know whether you're playing with super good bracket pool players or people that are picking randomly or so we kind of stick oh, yeah. pretty close to the public but but in a vacuum i would say that's pretty risky for a pool of your size yeah 
having having that many double digit upsets in there. Um, which is, I understand, it's a little bit less fun to pick a more conservative bracket, but in the end, it, if your goal is a positive ROI instead of fun, <laughs> it usually pays to to get a little less aggressive with your early round picks. Partly, are you? It's a standard scoring system. Yeah, is that what you scoring. said? Yeah, part of it is because in in those you kind of, you know, an extra first round win is one is point. not very important mm-hmm. and it's kind of uh you you make your big plays on, on your sweet 16 or your elite eight final four maybe a champion champion play and if you get those right then essentially you're you're ahead in the in the standings imagine you're in like a pick em pool and you, and you've picked several games of high point value and you're ahead and then you have your low point value ones left you kind of want to play defensive in those and you want to pick the same stuff that everyone else is picking because then they can't catch up to you. So that's kind of why you end up with a pretty conservative early round strategy. A lot of times in these smaller pools is that we expect you to be ahead. If you're, if you're gambit, if your undervalued pick comes through, we expect you to be ahead and we don't want you to lose the the edge by playing risky and, in other parts of the bracket. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kind of like what happened to you, what happened to you last year, Jake? Yeah, exactly. Went too aggressive early, and while I was good at the end, it didn't pan out. So what you're saying here is I should save this bracket for larger field pools, sort of like a GPP if we're using DFS terminology? Yeah, I definitely I mean, see Loyola as a pick in a lot of our larger larger brackets this year. Mm-hmm. It's the great irony of kind of our our uh, our product here, just sort of the you know, people buying it and sort of, you know, I think, with the hope or expectation that um, – you know what they want to get out of it is you know these guys are going to help me figure out the three or four or five big first round upsets that nobody else knows about that are really going to happen this year and uh and the funny thing is is most of our advice is you know just essentially use trying to use the numbers and the data to convince people that it's a silly strategy to you know take that kind of approach and spend your time you know trying to optimize the first round of the bracket uh, when in the, the standard scoring system and small pools, it's very unlikely to be the, the difference between winning and losing. And, you know, this, along the lines of what David said, um, you know, if the best strategy for a small pool is to take, uh, you know, basically concentrate your risk on one or two, you know, um, somewhat less likely to make it, but really high value picks and in like the elite eight or the final four, uh, then that's where your risk is. And you don't want to go any further than that. So your first round is going to look super chalky in those brackets like that. And that's not a bad thing. It just means like you're, you're putting your, you know, you're, you're putting your eggs in a different basket and you don't want to overdo the risk. So I can maybe benefit more from one of those upset bonus pools where it pays to take more risk like Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, in, in, in the, the upset the, pools. Go ahead, David. Yeah, in the upset pools, uh, if the bonuses are set up in a way that really incentivizes upsets, the conservative strategy is essentially all upsets in the first round except for the, the teams that you're picking to make deep runs, right? So it's the complete opposite. People look at those, they're like, this is way too crazy. Not all these upsets are going to happen. But then if you run the numbers, you know, if it's a C difference upset bonus and you're looking at the 11, six matchups, then you get maybe one point for the win and then five for the seeds. You get six points for the 11 seed winning and one point for the six seed winning. So, you know, even if only one 11 seed wins, you should be picking all 11 seeds in the first round and you'll score better than if you pick all, all six seeds. So it's, 
the scoring system completely changes the dynamic of what you see in, in the bracket. If it's a, if it's got bonuses or, or any kind of crazy scoring, or even if it's just a, a flat scoring system, that's like one point per game, including one point for the championship game. Then you see more first round upsets because you can't just do this one pick in the, in the deep rounds to rely on, on that to, to win you the pool. You got to find more, value picks all over the bracket and and you have to make several smart picks uh, wherever they fall in the bracket in order to win so in, in a pool like that you may very well see several dub, double digit seeds in, in the early rounds all right that's definitely a sound strategy of course and it sounds like you've built just the tools to help with that on teamrankings.com but gentlemen let's get down to brass tacks here and go ahead and pick some title winners regardless of pool size as i mentioned earlier i have gonzaga getting to the title but losing to duke duke personally fits my criteria of of course the math liking them uh having a great coach one of the nation's best front courts and championship experience in the backcourt in the form of Grayson and Allen. That's my deep pick there without diving as deep into the math as you guys. But of course, in general, I'm curious to see if you two agree on your pick, both going with what your metrics say, or if there's a difference. I'll start with you, Tom. What does your title game look like? David's been the one that's been, you know, basically going through all the uh, all the numbers. So my, my typical strategy, the, the, another irony is that, you know, we're so involved uh, in kind of getting all the site up that I basically get on the site at uh, 11 in the morning on Thursday and finally just see who the heck I'm going to pick in my bracket. So I literally have, I haven't put two seconds. Luckily, I don't have to put two seconds of thought into it because the product does it for me. But um, I literally haven't looked at hardly any of the numbers yet. So David's the one to, uh, to weigh in on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been looking at him for days. I've, I'm dreaming about the numbers. Um, I mean, <clears throat> are you asking who I think is most likely to win, or, or who I'm picking in some uh, like my my personal bracket? Well, I guess I can ask both. What does the math say? Yeah. What does your personal bracket well, say? Well, I, yeah, the math. I, so the uh, basically all around the different rating systems, the Vegas odds, they all kind of agree that Villanova and Virginia are the the two favorites. And depending on which system you look at, one of them might be slightly ahead of the other. And we have, uh, we have Villanova slightly ahead of Virginia in our numbers. Um, and, and part of that is Villanova has a slightly easier draw. I think if I remember right, uh, I won't claim that. I don't remember specifically, but, but we have, uh, Villanova slightly more likely than Virginia. And they're both, moderately more likely than the next couple teams, which are uh, yeah, Duke and Kansas. So, I mean, Duke is definitely up there. They have talent. They were, I think they are number one in the preseason. I can't remember. I believe they were number one in our preseason ratings. So we've been rating them highly all year, even when they, they've been losing games. We have them above Virginia for most of the year. But um, yeah, when I did, when I did the analysis looking at into the game logs and, and looking at, you know, throwing out games against minnows and looking at how they did with and without players, we ended up with Virginia ahead of them. Um, but so I, I would say if I have to pick a most likely champion and it's Villanova, as for who I'm going with in my personal bracket, uh, I'm a Kansas fan. So with Kansas as one of the top four options there, I'm probably going to have to, to go with them. <laughs> Otherwise, if, if I, if I don't pick them and they win, I, I, uh, you know, I'm kicking myself for it. I hear you on that. I mean, I used to pick Wisconsin every year as a Badger fan, but now that they're not in the field for the first time since I've been alive almost, I can now take all that bias out and pick a team that most likely appears in line for a title. Yeah, now you're finally going to win your pool. 
<laughs> yeah, yep, I'm going to be ready to go now that that bias is out of there. But it does kind of sound like the math matches up with the BPI rule, uh, meaning that a top three of Duke, Villanova, and Virginia are going to be some of the most popular picks. And if you're under about 150 entries in your pool, it sounds like going with one of those three will be your best bet here. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, like I was talking about earlier with that that uh, Villanova-Cincinnati dynamic, even in larger pools, uh, a lot of times this year it's going to make sense to pick one of them and then concentrate your risk in uh, a couple of earlier round um, value picks. All right. Well, there you have it. Those are our top picks for who's winning it all this year and some general tips for filling out those brackets. Of course, though, if you want to take things to the next level, it definitely pays to head on over to teamrankings.com for the cost of just one of your pools you'll get all the customized advice uh, that you'll need include and you'll be able to enter your field size scoring rules all the information they're going to need to help you succeed and take home some cash let the computers do the work for you also don't forget to check on rotowire.com for all the latest injury news that may affect how these numbers go plus articles for fun and all your individual fantasy player news and needs so tom david Thanks so much for joining me today. I can't wait to dive further into teamrankings.com and take home some cash this year. Best of luck to you guys with the site and, of course, in all of your bracket pools this season. All right. Thanks, Jake. We appreciate it. Enjoy watching the games. Yep. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.